Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back here, Dubuque area baseball fans, to our series that we're running, which is called the Program Spotlight and the 2020 Season in Review. Just a friendly reminder, you can find us on Facebook by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast or give a follow to everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman on Twitter. Today, I am excited to have our fourth and final interview Corey Tischer from Dubuque Waller. Now, he took over a program from Hall of Fame coach Jerry Rowling. Prior to that, Hall of Fame coach Ed Fayen and his history-rich program includes 11 district championships, four conference championships, and seven trips to the state tournament. Welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast Coach Corey Tischer, how are you doing today? Doing well, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. And how you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there. A lot of a lot of walks. I'm doing a lot of lifting at home and doing a lot of things that I have not done in the past to try to keep myself from going crazy. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same, man. Hanging out with the kids and uh, still prepping for the season and. Uh... Yeah, let's do this, bud. Yeah, we're excited to get this podcast and get this 2020 season rolling here. For people that don't know you, Coach Tischer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your playing experiences. Well, this would be a great time to run to the bathroom because nobody really wants to hear about my playing experience. But since you asked, uh, originally f- <laughs> I'm originally from the uh, great state of Wisconsin. I grew up in uh, Darlington, Wisconsin. I graduated there in 1999. Uh, played five sports during my high school career there. I played four years of baseball. And then playing-wise, um, back in Wisconsin, it's equivalent to like the awesome semi-pro league here in Iowa. I played for the Wyota Indians until uh, 2017 when, uh, you know, family became a lot more important to me and uh, not waking up sore for, you know, every day of the week. Um, so, yeah, playing-wise, uh, that's that's it. Coaching-wise, um after I graduated from Loris in 2003, I coached at Loris from 2004 to 2013. Um, and then um, I was also the head baseball coach back in Darlington, where I where I graduated high school from for 2003, 2004. It was a summer season there back in Wisconsin then before joining the Waller program in 2005. Off the top of your head, a lot of the other coaches did not know the answer to this question. But I'm just curious, do you know your overall record as a head coach? Um, I, the only reason I know that is because I knew you were going to ask this. Um, so I did look back, um, you know, just a couple of media outlets. I've asked this every year. So did the math. Um, overall, uh, I brought in a whopping nine and 25 record from Darlington over my two amazing years there. Um, so my overall record between Darlington and Waller uh, is 171 and a 150. 
Nice job, and hopefully we'll get that 200th win this season. If uh, it's something that's going to happen, I'm going to make a trip down and see that. Being friends of yours for roughly about 20 years, that'd be an accomplishment I'd like to see. Uh, tell us a little bit about your staff and give us some background on them. So your freshman coaches all the way up to your varsity assistant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Matt Cass. Matt Cass is um, it's our seventh seventh year. He's been with us at Waller. He's the if you want to call it the the top assistant at the varsity. Um, he teaches out in the West Dubuque West uh, Dubuque School District. Um, he's a WD grad. He played for Coach Bryant there, then moved on and played and coached at Loris. Um, so he's one of our varsity assistants. Uh, Jeremy Girardi is another varsity assistant for us. For us, um, it's a six year coaching with us after a standout playing career at senior and Loris College, um, which is where I also met him, where I coached him there. Um, he was our pitching coach over at Loris until this spring season. I mean, he has a full-time job um, down at American Trust or Midwest One or whatever it's called now. So he's a volunteer coach, um, comes around um, most of the time, but when he can be there. And then uh, Owen Funky. Owen Funky is going to double dip for us this year. He's going to be a freshman coach for us, but also he's going to come to uh, all of our varsity things. I think he's only going to miss like one, one of our varsity dates, how we have things worked out. But Owen's uh, it's a second year on staff with us after graduating from Waller in uh, 2018. He's a sophomore over at Loris College. Um, you know, and the cool thing about Owen, uh, two, th- cool, two cool things about Owen. Um, number one, um, if you see any of our cool graphics on our, our Twitter page, at Waller Baseball, I know you like to plug your own things there. So there you go. Follow us at at Waller Baseball. If you have any cool graphics on there, that's all Coach Funky. Uh, he's a very talented man, and he's going he's gonna to make some good money doing that stuff someday. Um, and secondly about Coach Funky is I've never met somebody that loves Waller as much as him. A couple other guys on staff, Jesse Lawler. Um, Jesse's our head sophomore coach. Um, it's our, it's his seventh year on staff as well. Um, he's a West Dubuque graduate like Coach Cass, played for Coach Brian out there. Um, he's a teacher up on the, uh, up in the good state of Wisconsin, like I referred to earlier, up in Potosi and Lancaster. Um, then our other two coaches, uh, Anthony Rudin. He's our sophomore assistant. He's a 2013 Waller grad, and I know he's one of your uh, personal favorite pitchers of all time from listening to a couple of your other previous podcasts. We could um, not beat I, that guy. We could I, not beat him to, to save our lives. We could have been banging on trash cans from the dugout to know what pitches were coming, and we still could not have beat him. And we had talented teams at Hempstead that could not beat him. Yeah, I remember uh, on one of your other podcasts, you talked about how I think I think it was 2013 where he beat he beat Hempstead both times um, with that rain out. He beat him. We got rained out the next night. Just how it worked out in a rotation. But uh, but yeah, he's a good dude. Um, he's uh, coaching over at Clark right now. I know he works him out of uh, Eric Munson's place there, at Gold Standard Athletics. Um, yeah, this is his fourth year on staff. And uh, our last coach is uh, Casey Tauber. Um, this is his second year on staff with us, but he brings a wealth of background in sports. Um, his full-time job, he's the assistant athletic director over at Clark University, but he was out of coaching for 20 years. But back in the 90s, he coached college baseball out in Virginia um, as an assistant coach and then also was um, an assistant at Cedar Rapids, Washington, when they won state in, I don't know, 94, 95. He's going to be mad that I don't remember that. Then he was also the head coach at Cedar Rapids Prairie for a year or two. So, yeah, that's our coaching staff for this uh, 2020 season couple of notes on your coaching staff there. It sounds like you're bleeding Coach Casey Bryant dry of his uh, Western Dubuque players there. But um, I, I will agree with you. And I wouldn't just say your coach, Coach Funky, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's just him that loves Waller. His whole family going back to all of his brothers and his mom and his dad. I mean, they live, eat, and breathe uh, Waller and Holy Family. His mom was a teacher of mine at Resurrection. Great lady. His dad, I think, is it Ken? 
Yeah, yeah, it's Ken, Ken, yeah. Ken, great guy, very knowledgeable baseball guy. Did a lot of things for the Asbury baseball community here as well. One thing, too, I noticed about him is he will always go above and beyond. I, I follow you on Twitter, and I follow your program on Twitter. And by the way, you and Western Dubuque are tied for the two top Twitter pages of the four area Dubuque high schools here. <laughs> But he is always in the weight room. He's helping with varsity. He's helping out with sophomore. He's bouncing between freshman practices and varsity games. And he's just uh, doing a fantastic job. Your other freshman coach, I didn't have an opportunity to play last year, but it's very rare at the freshman level to find a coach older than me. But um, <laughs> he, he was older. He was older. Very one of the few that was older than me, and I did not have an opportunity to play him. But my team got finished practicing, and and I watched what he was doing. And holy cow, I was very impressed that you were able to get a guy like that on staff who even has varsity experience. And I'm sure he probably would help out in the scouting realm too, or giving you some suggestions or some tips that he knew um, coaching at his other programs as well. Yeah, for sure. He's awesome. And, you know, about the, you're talking about the, uh, the age of freshman coaches. I mean, he, Coach Tower is going to take that personal because he kind of took the spot of somebody that was uh, much older than him. Who, whose kind of spot did he take? He took Jerry Rowling. And those were, <laughs> those were my favorite, favorite games to coach. Uh, I, I have nothing but love for Coach Jerry Rowling, who gave me my first head coaching job many, many years ago while I was a longtime assistant at Hempstead High School. But yeah, I, I still look at myself as a young buck fresh out of high school, but showing up to those games last year as a 37-year-old coach, it, it felt very odd going against many former kids that I had coached or right. or even played against. But um, I know that the Holy Family system, and I know that Wallert Catholic High School is big into service and, and giving back to the community. I don't know if Mr. Tom English, your athletic director, if he wants you guys out in the community doing service projects or any outreach programs, does your program do any of those things, Coach Tischer? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, strictly baseball-wise, um, you know, as you kind of referred to, um, you know, part of their education at Wallard is service. So they're out and about. Um, I don't know if often's the word, but they have so many service hours that they get during the school year. So um, baseball-wise, we don't force them per se, like we're going to go do this, go do that. Um, knowing that that's just a part of their everyday life. They, they do in a second. I mean, we've had people ask, Hey, can you come help? We're putting in a, you know, we we're at St. Colin till last year helping with their playground, but um, some, some smaller things that they do. And we run our youth baseball camp, youth baseball tournament that um, they volunteer their time for and give back to um, the baseball community here in the Dubuque and the surrounding area. You know, I know a couple, couple, couple of us, a couple of guys help out various church festivals and things like that. So nothing like we're going to go do this every year as a baseball program. It's just more of a Holy Family Wallert, you know, service is a part of that. Um, with that, they, they see um, every home game, somebody, and I want to give him a shout out here, um, which I'll probably name drop a few more people so you can attach them on Twitter and try to, Please try to get do. up your... Uh, we are <laughs> all about shameless plugs here. Follow us, Dubuque Area Baseball <laughs> Podcast on Facebook or on Twitter at everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Um, but uh, one, one person they can see who's a, who, who 
who gives of service um, at every home game is uh, one Mr. Marvin Muller. Um, he's been a voice of the Water Catholic Golden Eagle baseball program since 2005. And, um, you know, we have roughly 13 home games a game, 13 home games a year. And I know what he, you know, could make per game. And uh, he chooses for the last 15 years not to, uh, not to take any of that money. And I did quick math. Um, it had been last year um, at our banquet of just, I wanted to know how much money he could have made if he wanted to, and he hasn't taken a single, single dime. So he, he's somebody that they can hear all the time, and they know he's a, you know, he's a person in our program. Um, you know, helps make the games a lot better. That's just a awesome guy for service. Not having met him before, he was nice enough to reach out to me on Facebook, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, and uh, invited me that if I go to a Wallert game or if I stop down to see a Wallert Catholic game, that I was more than welcome to join him in the press box and watch the game from which I feel is is the best seat in the house. So that was, uh, that was very cool uh, for me to get that offer, and I'm definitely going to take him up on his offer. I might even reach out and, and have him on as a guest to talk about some of the players he's seen, some pass through, whether it be from Waller or other programs that have come. I'm sure he's got great stories that, that he could share. But I'm not as giving as uh, he is. How do you pronounce his last name again? Marv Muller. And Marv? he obviously does Muller. You, okay. He obviously does not read his contract because uh, – he, 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 he can't be inviting people up there. I'm, I'm kidding. But with that, man, um, have you been up there before? I have not, no. Dude, um, you, you better get exercise a lot more because it's small up there. It's steep steps. It is not easy to go up and down there, man. So you better be in top athletic uh, condition if you plan on going up there, dude. I'm I'm working on it right now, but I'm I'm going to tell you that I'm not as generous and as giving as he is. So I will take his pay for whatever game I sit in. The, <laughs> oh, I sit in the um, press box for. Can we make that happen? You know, toss me maybe forty five dollars for the game I watch from there. <laughs> if you think that's what he is making, man, you got another thing coming. We'll have security there and make sure uh, we don't let you in that day. Then we'll <laughs> now. I, I spent four years at Western Dubuque, and Casey Bryant, the head coach there, we always had a program motto, and it was "Win" from Lou Holtz, which stands for "What isn't What's important now." Now, does your program have a motto, or do you have any coaching beliefs that you share with your parents, your players, and your staff? Yeah, that's a, that's a great motto that he had, and if you know if we roll that motto out this year, and that gives us the year they had last year, I bet you know let's let's lock it up right now. That's our twenty twenty motto. Um, but no, um, we have no like, true motto every year. I know a couple years ago we had enjoy each day, uh, trust the process. Um, but I know a few of our seniors are working on some things this year. Um, you know they they keep me informed a little bit. They have their nice twenty twenty you know, group text going on that I'm not a part of, but a couple of them have filled me in some things they're working on. So I've kind of put that on them this year. We have a, you know, a really good senior class this year, good in numbers, um, been around the program and they know what it takes. But in regards to, you know, um, philosophies or principles, um, you know, it's been pretty much the same seven every year that we roll out to the coaches or the, the players and parents at our coaching meeting, you know, work hard, communicate, but just have fun talk and hustle more than our opponents. That's our goal. I mean, when you come to watch us play, if we're not talking, hustling more than our opponents, man, kick me a text afterwards. Tell me we got to get it figured out because I want to know that because obviously um, we're not doing our job. So um, be fundamentally sound, know what our job is in every situation. You know, hopefully, you know, when the ball's put in play, all nine guys are moving, you know, 
you know, get in position for that next thrill, potentially that next bad thrill, which unfortunately will probably happen from time to time. Um, you know, the four phases, pitching, defense, hitting, base running. If we win, if we if we win three of those four at the varsity level, we should win the game um, most of the time. If we win all four, it's not even negotiable. But trying to win three of the four of those um, um, parts of the game. Um, the fifth one is play with confidence and swagger, but not cockiness. Um, the sixth one is focus one pitch at a time, both offensively and defensively. If you follow any of like the one pitch warriors stuff that's been out for the last five to seven years, that's that's kind of been a new thing there. And then the last one I really picked up from Coach Rowling um, was. Um, respect each other in the game for what it is. It's a game. It's a highly competitive game, but um, man, at the end of the day, it's just a game that there's, there's so much more important things in life, which I know um, I might even go off on here later on. So uh, yeah, those are kind of the things we, we really try to focus on a little bit more. You know, I, I love all of those. And the seventh one, I, I take at heart because you think about how quickly things can change for everybody at the snap of a finger Right. And, and it is a game, and you know as a player, you don't know how, how much time you have as a player or even in this world that we're living in. And to not take anything for granted, enjoy your time with your teammates and your coaches and just enjoy playing that, that the game that we all love. And, and I promise you, Coach, um, if I'm at a game and I will give you some feedback, I will do that. I'm I'm not one to uh, to bite my tongue, especially <laughs> especially if you lay down a butt. You know I'm going to be the first one yeah. to tell you you should not have done that. But um, <laughs> that's that's the type of relationship that you and I have always had. Is we can be very honest with each other in in a respectable way, and I've always enjoyed that we respect each other's opinions. And I know I've learned a lot from you. I hope that you learned one tenth from me of all the information that I've learned from you, but we know that Wallert has a long running tradition of Hall of Fame coaches. Coach Ed Fayen, Hall of Famer, he agreed to be a guest on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Look for it in a future episode. We also have Coach Jerry Rowling, Hall of Famer. He's going to join Ed Fayen on that episode. What guidance or experiences do you implement that you took from Coach Rowling? And I also am going to follow up with Coach Fan as well because he hasn't been around in a while. So I don't know if he still comes to games or if you ever reach out to pick his brains or, or what that relationship is like with Coach Fan. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Coach Fan first. You know, he, he retired from Waller in 2003, which is at the same time when I um, – got out of lore so I never saw him coach I didn't know a thing about Waller baseball so I never saw him coach with that though over the years I bet we talked at least once a summer and he'll come around a game or I'll see him at a youth game or around town you know at high V but probably the one of the best things I did was so it's been probably three four years ago um you know emailed him um and I went over to his house and just talked baseball talked to history of baller baseball for two to three hours and then i left there with the biggest folder of paperwork from back to the early 70s of waller baseball that he just gave me he's like this is my only copy he didn't have copies of me he's like you know sift through what you want and um you know take make copies of what you did so uh that was an awesome gesture of him that i've been able to compile a few things about the history of waller baseball for myself to learn more and then you know to give over to different people at the end of our you know at, at our banquet at the end of the season just uh you know, continue doing things to try to learn more about the history of Waller baseball. And how about Coach Rowling? What 
did you what Man. have you learned from him and what influences has he had on you what influences does he still have with the program i think last year was it his first year where he was truly retired where he did not do any practices or any games or what's his status with the program yeah yeah last year would have been his first year um not not on staff i mean he he still I mean, I still, he flags our fence in the outfield before they put the fence up and he, he'll come around and just watch practice. Um, but actually a coaching member of Waller baseball, yeah, last year been his first year with that though. He's just as busy baseball wise. His son, Nathan, who's a former assistant at Waller as well as head baseball coach out at Simpson. So he, he makes that fun trip to Indianola multiple times. He has his own bedroom there. Um, at Nathan's house, pretty much that he, he's getting his baseball fixed just in a different way. But, uh, Coach Rowling, I mean, probably one of, the, one of the coolest stories about Coach Rowling is, and many people don't know this, um, I applied and interviewed for Waller's job two times prior to actually getting it, or prior to coming on staff at Waller. Um, the second time being when uh, Coach Rowling made that switch over to Waller in 2006. I can remember, because um, there was there was a, Jason Pennington was a, was a coach at Waller two years between uh, Coach Fain and, and, and Coach Rowling, and I came on staff one uh, Coach Pennington's second year, his last year, I came on staff to be his assistant. And when he resigned, you know, I was kind of, you know, indirectly offered the position, kind of knew that was going to be the next step. And I can remember Coach Rowling calling me on a Sunday night because Monday is when, like, the deadline was. And, you know, I had a previous relationship with Coach Rowling. He's like, hey, you know, um, you know, I think, I'm thinking about putting my name in for the Waller job, you know, um, not saying I'm going to get it over you, you know, are you okay if I do that? I thought that was very, you know, way, way out of the realms of things he needed to do. But he's like, Hey, if I do it and I come on board, you know, will you stay and be my assistant? I'm like, dude. Yeah. I mean, so it's one of those things that, you know, the not getting the head job 15 years ago was probably the best thing baseball wise that's ever happened to me. Um, Cause he's got just a wealth of knowledge and, as we, as our relationship grew and grew and grew, you know, we, we didn't always see eye to eye on something, many things we did, but we always didn't see eye to eye. And he, as a, you know, guy coaching baseball for 40 years, you know, wanted to learn, you know, why would you do this? Why would you do that? You know, and, and we started to, you know, started to trust me a little bit more and started to allow me to implement um, more and more. And then, you know, eventually he let me coach third base, even though I was still the assistant, you know, and he really, really prepped me to, you know, be able to take over the program, even though we were co-coaches there for three years. But, you know, if it wasn't for Coach Rowan, there is no way um, I would be in this position and no way to be the uh, the father I am, the husband I am, and just the the, the person I am. And I can't. He, he's he's the man. Yeah, I co- interviewing Coach Reese earlier this week, he said nothing yeah. but great things about Coach Rowling and shared the same thing, how Jerry would pick his brain and he could not believe that Jerry would look him in the eye and would feed off him and, and listen to his responses when, you know, this is a Hall of Fame coach here recognized nationally for being coach of the year. And he's asking right. me, an assistant in the program <laughs> who I haven't even been alive as many years as he coached, but <laughs> Coach Reese really enjoyed that interaction. And, you know, this is something that I don't think I don't think I've ever shared with anybody. But um, when I resigned from Wallert many years ago, when I when I called Jerry to let him know my decision that I was leaving Wallert to go take a head coaching position, 
at Hempstead, I actually cried when I was telling him. Um, I'm a very emotional, I'm a very sensitive guy. And um, when I started to tell him, he originally thought that there was something wrong, that I had found out that I was sick or something had happened to my daughter or my dad had passed away. He was truly concerned that there was there was a medical emergency. And I said, no, I'm just um, wanted to let <laughs> you know I'm resigning from your staff and I'm going I'm going to coach at my alma mater, which is Dubuque Hempstead. And I, I just absolutely have so much love and so much respect for that guy and that man. And he taught me not only about the game, but so many things about life that you don't learn in any textbook or don't learn from going to any seminar. It was the best on-the-job training that it sounds like I had and that Coach Reese had, if I can speak for him, and that that you had as well. And I think sometimes it goes unnoticed on how great of a man he was because he has so many great accolades and has done so many things in his coaching career. People forget about how great of a friend he is, how great of a dad he was, how, how amazing of a leader he was and how awesome of a husband he is just because he's done so much on the baseball field. You're right on, man. I, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there for sure. Now I did watch a lot of baseball last summer and you and Casey Bryant, I would say are the two coaches in the area that use analytics more than uh, Hempstead or Senior do. And you did something that I did not see all year. And I'm just curious on where you got your information from. So last year, you were the only coach that I saw put on a shift. It's popular in the big leagues right now. Uh, Versus Cal Harris, you left third base open and you put three infielders on the right side. So my first question is, it's high school. We, we don't have the scouting ability like they do in the big leagues or in college. How do you find the data and how, and how effectively um, do you do that? And how often do you shift? Yeah, those are those are all good questions. Um, you know, first we we uh, yeah we we shift we we shift a lot to be honest with you, and we don't shift just to shift. We don't shift because it's popular. We don't shift just because our kids love it because they do love it. They love to do it all the time. Um, but no, uh, for, um, you know your your average high school hitter, you know, he's what five eleven, buck. 65 maybe in your program but you know i'm i'm six three a solid 220 back in high school like i said average i didn't say below average i said average <laughs> but you know they're 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 pull side ground you know pull side ground uh slight oppo in the air you know so that's kind of how we just start with but with that you know we spend as a staff um you know whether it's one of us two of us small group of us you know depending on what day of the week it is you know whether it's a Tuesday night game against Hempstead or a Wednesday night game against Center Point Urbana. We spend a, you know at least two hours, you know, developing scouting reports for their games. You know, our guys carry things in their back pockets; so they know where to go. But our like where we get the information from, um, you know, is is, is different um, 
at bats, whether that is, I mean, on Kelvin Harris, we probably have 40 some at bats on Kelvin that we've charted through different means, whether that is us charting them, um, you know, people that have played against him in semi-pro games and how he's done there, for example, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to watching videos to, you know, there's a group of coaches that we share. We share a lot of information back and forth with each other. I mean, you know, perfect game has videos. I, you know, I can, you know, if we play a Cedar Rapids team, I'm going to spend 30 minutes researching their guys, finding video of them taking, taking batting practice. Yeah. It's batting practice. You can pick up some things from there, but you know, if we feel really confident, um, on, a, on somebody, yeah, we're, we're going to move. Um, you know, it might dictate who we have on a mound. You know, if we have a Jared Walter on the mound and a Charlie Yeager, those are two completely different pitchers. You know, so we do things a little bit differently, but depending on who's on the mound. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, the score of the game, you know, the flow of the game. I know you talked about Kelvin earlier. Yeah, you know, we're going, you know, Kelvin go anywhere. He can slap to the left field. He can go hard to the left center. He can go pull side hard. He can put one and land it in Piasta. You know, but, uh, you know, if it's, if it's bottom of the seventh, you know, tie game, you know, if we'd ever be fortunate enough with them, you know, we're, we're probably going to leave the third baseman there because, you know, if he drags and gets on first, he's going to steal second. So just, you know, the game and flow is just varies. But we probably hardcore shift a guy or two every game, I would say. And then, you know, another three guys, you know, whether that's a second baseman playing behind second, because you just don't see a lot of balls going on the ground the opposite way. And if you have, that, if you have an athletic first baseman, you know, you put them a little bit, closer to the pitcher slide more to the second a little bit more and maybe they can get a ball you have the pitcher coming on first base so you know we've got caught on it sometimes for sure there's some situations that have happened that we haven't practiced so we make sure we go back to them but you know um yeah it's just one of those things that we've kind of done here the last two three years is that a common practice in the mississippi valley conference or are you guys the only you know, ones doing it because last year you were the only team that i saw doing it and i watched a lot of baseball last summer I, I would say that we, we, we definitely shift more than others. The only time we've like, you know, you'll see right fielders going over the right center gap, you know, you know, from time to time. I mean, depending on where you play and how different parks are set up. But I can remember back on Judd White, who made your all decade team, um, you know, it would have been 2000, gosh, 2015, 2016, we were playing down in Cedar Rapids Prairie and Judd had a great year. And Coach Rima was a, you know, the head baseball coach at Kirkwood. Um, he shifted Judd very similar to how you probably saw us shift Cal last year. And we had never talked about that. You know, we did it a little bit, um, but nobody had ever done it to us. And he was mentally defeated the whole day. I mean, he tried dragging, he tried slapping, then he would try to do what he normally did. And, he, and I'm like, okay, all right. So that was the first time on the seeing on the other end of it, you know, because if you don't talk to guys ahead of time, you don't prep them for, you know, you know, if you get this look, you know, here are some options. It's saying you could do it, you don't have to do it, but just to, you know, they get in the box and all of a sudden you see this craziness, which it isn't really, you know, and it can play with a 16-year-old brain. You know, that's something, I'm surprised you didn't do that back in the day. You like you like messing with people's brains. You know, you're trying to, you know, call kids without necklaces in the batter's box and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I do the, the, I never thought of using <laughs> that for the mental side of the game. I was... <laughs> I was always um, trying to do things to get the other team off. I never thought that shifting shifting would do that. But if you had to say percentage-wise, how, how positive or a negative effect did it have? I mean, when you did it, did it work 80% of the time, if you had to guess, 95% of the time? Or how often did you, maybe, did you get burnt on it? You know, and honestly, that, that, that is 
one thing we should chart to get actual percentages of, of what it is. But I would say last year, you know, 70, 75% of the time, um, you know, just moving that, moving that second baseman to the middle more, I think is, uh, D- does a lot does a lot yeah. for you i mean I, I just think of balls that get through the infield without knowing anything about a pitcher anything about a hitter you know balls that get through the infield for singles at the high school level i just feel are between the five six hole and then up the middle versus down each line or you know between the first baseman and second baseman unless it's a lefty i just you know it's just one of those things i think it really goes back to my basketball days of just trying to find any extra edge you can that maybe gives you a greater chance of winning but but you know with that it bites it's in the butt too it's just one of those things you know you when it does you just try to yep it is what it is you know and we just move on and you did mention jed white before people from wallard if you've been living under a rock i do a podcast it's called the dubuque area baseball (laughs) podcast go back and listen to the wallard all decade team that i uh found all the information and researched all the stats and put together also go and watch episode two or listen to episode two that has not currently been released yet at this time. It could be released, but check uh, episode two of that and look for Judd White to see if he made the all area, all decade team. Now, coach, you may not want to give this information away because I know that all of the coaches in the area, and I'm sure it's going to spread all to the conference, is going to be <laughs> listened to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. But are there any players that you're going to face this year besides Calvin Harris that you see yourself putting on some extreme shifts for? And again, oh. if you don't feel like giving that information away, I totally respect that and understand that. No, no, I mean, it's... Um... <sighs> Not so much shift. I mean, eh, a couple of these guys shift wise, um, you know, but some talented players in the conference, you know, offensively, just we talked about it, you know, obviously Calvin at, at West Dubuque. I mean, he's, you know, he's a special player that we don't see around this area um, too much. I mean, him said, you know, Sabres, Rundy and Henry are all three, three very talented guys. You know, Rundy's obviously a switch hitter. Um, at least if I remember my notes right, that, you know, I know from last year we had him. We thought he was better on one side of the plate than the other, that potentially, you know, if we needed to spend him late in the game, we could. Um, you know, the other offensive player that comes – the two, eh, the other two offensive players that come to mind would be uh, Nolan Frey from Iowa City Liberty. Um, last year, I thought, again, in the, the doubleheader we played, you know, in that doubleheader, he was one of the top two or three players that we saw last year. Um, I know he's going to Mount Mercy, which, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he uh, got a nice – you know, package there because I thought he, he he could be a big time player. And then the last one offensively, um, we don't shift so much, but Coy Sarsfield at Limar, who's committed to Iowa, um, you know, just um, he doesn't speak. He, he is a really good speed, and you know, he's a guy that we we shift some guys around a little bit. So offensively, those would be the, the probably five, four or five that jumped in my brain offensively nice thanks for sharing that information with us here last question i have for you is all across the state you see high school programs have feeder teams so for example iowa city has the little hawks uh, little league team and i remember cedar rapids jefferson has the little jayhawks and that's just kind of who you play with growing up now, you started something, I'm not 100% sure on the year, but you started the Little Eagles. 
Tell us a little bit about the Little Eagles. What are your expectations of families, players, parents, if they join that program? And um, is that your way of trying to start a feeder system of leading into your high school program? Yeah, I'll I'll touch base on this for sure. Um, You know, all those teams you talked about, I reached out to all those programs, you know, all the successful programs that had feeder programs. What did you do? How did it start? And every single one of them, except one, um, and I won't, I won't say who said, once it gets up and going, you need to exit yourself stage left mm. as quick as you can. <laughs> and at that, at that point of time, I had no idea what the heck they meant by that. But with that, yeah. Um, you know, I'm from, I'm from a small town. So yeah, I grew up that, you know, you played with everybody year after year after year. You look around and see what Cascade does. You know, those kids grow up playing with each other and, you know, then just hearing stories about youth baseball experiences that were going on here, you know, in the 2000s, early 2010s, um, you know, and just information I was gathering from why, I don't teach up the wall, but why year after year we were having guys that were these stud baseball players growing up that would not play baseball. Um, why, why did not come out? So I, I went and talked to them, you know. You know, uh, you know, I had some of them in basketball, you know, I was around enough. I'm like, Hey, you know, something I did, you just don't like me. And it was, you know, more and more, it was, I just don't enjoy it. I played too much. I'm burnt out. So having that small town feel, you know, hearing these things, kids coming, you know, in as eighth graders and freshmen, you know, every year I just thought to the fundamentals were, were um, decreasing every year for the most part that kids are just playing too much and not practicing. They'd have their, their month practice season in March or April, and then they'd have their game season that, you know, they'd never practiced in there. So yeah, we, we attempted um, to do little Eagles. We started to, uh, we did it for two years and it was pretty much, you know, this is the only baseball you're going to play. Cause I know some kids play on two, three, four, five teams and play 50, 100, 120 games for summer. And that, that works for some kids and some kids it, you know, it pans out for them, you know, but for every one that does, I think there's, two or three that doesn't and not everybody agrees with me that's okay um with that though you know and just some other things you know the, the price of travel ball you know um some people didn't like so we tried it was like you know 100 150 bucks you know we played in some weekend tournaments around the area you know in town 30 minutes away 45 minutes away but have you know practice all throughout the season and um you know we had a lot of positive feedback with it with some negative feedback with it that's fine um that's with with anything but um at the end of last year, you know, we had, we had a board, we had a board and I, you know, we, we were at our meeting at the end of the season and I, you know, I said, Hey, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I like, but the amount of time I was personally spending, um, and, and some of our other board members and coaches were as well, but selfishly for me, the amount of time that I was spending on it, um, was taken away from, things that are that are more important you know my, my, my family um my, my teaching position my coaching position I was finding more of my time being devoted to the little eagles program and I needed to uh reshape my priority list so that's when it came back to you know those six coaches I talked to and five of them told me you need to get your hands off as quick as you can that that really hit me uh, and, and with that it has it has for the most part pretty much folded I know there is mm. Um, five teams this summer, but it's not a governing board. It's not, you know, it's pretty much, you know, a parent, you know, getting people together and putting yeah. on the, the blue and blue and gold that you see through other things. So um, I'm glad I did it. I learned a lot. I still, 
I still believe in it. But um, like I said, there's just one of those things that needed to uh, I needed to step away from at this time. I'm great that you shared that experience. Yeah. And I know our thousands and thousands of listeners that we get are going to hear that and make that uh, assumption of why it's not being done at the other schools. Because I commonly get that question. Why doesn't Dubuque have feeder programs? How come Hempstead, Senior, Waller, uh, Western Dubuque just started one this year? How come they don't They don't have feeder programs? Well, here it, we got some information from Coach Tischer who tried to start one and and all the work that, that goes into it. Now, Coach Tischer, you mentioned uh, when you were at Wallert that some of your best players, some of your best athletes were not going out. And that was a frustration that I ran into when I was a freshman baseball coach there at Wallert 20 some years ago. I remember first practice, we would always hold a practice and we would always look at numbers to see if we would have one team or two teams and how many eighth graders were going to play. And I would always ask, who are the kids that need to come out and I would always get three to five names of people that would say this is the best baseball player they were the best baseball player in the whole independent league you need to get them out and then when you would talk to them they would a lot of times it was they wanted to spend the summer to focus on on basketball but that was a frustration that I had and I'm, I'm glad to see that you were taking some proactive measures to to help with that Thank you for listening to our program in the spotlight with Coach Corey Tischer. We got to know a little bit about him. Now we're going to take a look at the 2020 season preview. Coach, in our 2020 season preview, I want to touch upon last year's team and the improvements that you hope to see from your team this year. Last year, you had a young team that went 18 and 22. You are only losing four seniors from last year's team. What are your expectations for the upcoming season? Yeah, I think for us and four great dudes, you know, Jackson Walter, Andrew Evans, Drew Waters, Jackson Freeze, they just did a lot for our program and just, you know, just great dudes. And, um, but our expectations at, at Waller since, since I've been leading this program, I think are, are, are the same every year, regardless of what, you know, various media outlets might think or, you know, people in the local coffee shops, whatever. But, you know, it's to be competitive in most MVC games. Um, our goal each year, if we play a 40-game schedule, barring rainouts and such, is, is to try to win, you know, 22 to 25 regular season games. Um, you know, we you know, got to be realist at, at the same. We have half the enrollment most of the time of most of the teams we play. But our goal is to be playing, you know, playing the best baseball come the end of the season, you know, go down to 3A, uh, in, a, in, in a tournament and see what happens. And we, 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 we expect to make the state tournament every year. I mean, that's just, that's just where we're at. You know, a lot of, a lot of things got to fall, fall that way, but that's what we expect this year. That's what we expect last year. And that's what we've pretty much expected, you know, every year since about 2013 or so. Now we touched upon this a little bit in the previous segment, but who do you think will be some of the top players in the Mississippi Valley conference that if I'm going to go check out a game, I can go yeah. down to Petrakis Park and watch and who are going to be some of the uh, tough teams in the Mississippi Valley Conference as well? 
Well, well, the first thing about the NBC this year, you know, um, you know, last year with the addition of West Dubuque and Iowa City Liberty, when we played 30 conference games, you know, and last year, like every seven years and yeah, in the high school um, calendar is an extra week in the season. And the last year, that was the year. So this year, our, our games are really condensed that, you know, there's two, two weeks we play three, we play three conference doubleheaders. So a lot of, you know, you're going to look at wins and losses at the end of the year, but a lot of times it just depends on when you, you know, you might be facing somebody that's throwing their five or six and you might be throwing your one or two, you know, so it's just to me a lot of interest in how that falls out this year. But team wise, you know, looking at everything now, I think the top three teams, I don't think are non-negotiable are, uh, you know, Hempstead, West Dubuque and uh, you know, Cedar Rapids Prairie, I think are the three, three top teams. My, my sleeper team, um, is, is Waterloo West. Um, they got a very successful coach from Florida that came up here last year, but their junior class is ridiculous, like just unreal. That I think they're going to um, do some things this year. Um, playing wise, you know, starting with Waterloo West, they have a Carter Schulte. Um, you know, he's a junior on the mind. He's a junior. Yeah, gosh, I wish he's a senior, but he's a junior. You know, um, he's really good on the mound. We know we talked earlier about, you know, obviously Calvin out at West Dubuque, and they got a couple other guys, but. You know, Sabres, Randy Henry, um, Prairie, who I touched about. They, they have two Division One pitchers in Cam Stauffen and Jackson Novi. Um, Nico Stauffer's committed to Iowa. Novi, I want to say Kentucky. I'm not sure about that. I know uh, Coach Rapp, I listened to his. Uh, Marcus Morgan, Iowa City West, is, is going to be a, a high-end D1 kid. Um, Mason Bain at Cedar Rapids Kennedy is a sophomore. Um, you know, he's a first-team all-conference kid last year. He's really, really good. And then the last one for me is um, – you know, Johnny Blake over at senior, um, you know, I didn't know a lot about him, but last year on the mound, he made us look, look, look silly that um, I think he's going to do a lot of good things for them. And when, when senior, you know, seven or nine games on the mound himself. Yeah. He's been on our, our radar. A lot of people have been mentioning him as well. Now, this is just a question that I've always been curious about. This is kind of my guilty pleasure question that I throw <laughs> in for every interview. But you think back to all your years coaching in the Mississippi Valley. Who do you think is the best player that you've coached against? And where did they go off onto college? Did they get drafted? Are they playing uh, on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN? Um, um, uh, I don't listen well. I'm like one of your, I'm like that student in the back row. Um, so I'm not going to give you one. I'm going to give you uh, pitching wise. Um, there, there's been a lot. Um, you've talked about some on here, but only because he's from the left side, and you just don't. Yeah, TJ Sycamore down at Dewitt, man, mm. he he's good. I know. Obviously, went to Missouri, had a great career. You know, he's got draft. He's with the Yankees, and he's one of their top prospects. But you know, nowhere did I think he would get to where he's at now in high school. But he, you know, he 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 was good. I mean, I can remember as a freshman, he dominated us um, offensively. The two guys that really jumped out to me, and um, intentionally I went back, maybe, you know, getting your history books here. Um, you know, John Gilmore from Iowa City High. Yep, I've um, heard that back, name before. Back in the late 2000s, he was probably the first. I mean, like I said, I'm from a small town. I started coaching here at Waller in 2005. So my guess is, I didn't look back at the date but or the year, but that, it had to be one of those first couple of years. But he was the first guy. I'm like, holy cow. You know, it felt like I was in the Wizard of Oz. Like, I'm not in Kansas anymore. That He was just a dude. Um, I think I want to say he was a first round draft pick by like the Braves. He was. He was the first what? guy I've ever seen walk into a high school game with a posse. He literally <laughs> walked into the ballpark 
And he probably had about 30 people with him um, that just were following him around and, and were part of his inner circle. And I had never seen that before at a high school game. Still haven't seen it at a high school game. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I don't know whatever whatever came to him. Um, and then the, the second one and last one offensively, um, who, I mean, I know last year he was in the, the bigs with the Reds and Scott Shubler from Cedar Rapids Prairie. Um, you know, again, just a left a left guy from the left side that could run, could go to all fields with power. Um, you know, again, that was probably, I don't know, 2000. 10, 11, I don't know, but yeah, those were the three guys that it kind of jumped out to me. Now, recently, yeah, you had a great run of success. You had back-to-back-to-back trips to the state tournament. Talk to your guys now. I know they listen to the Buke Area Baseball Podcast. <laughs> I heard, them do. I heard before it uh, workouts got shut down, I heard that the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast was being played during pitcher-catcher um, workouts, which I appreciate, guys, but we know they listen to the podcast. What did those teams do back to back to back trips to state that your team may not know, and that people that were not um, behind the scenes stuff would would they not know? So talk to your team now and tell them what those teams did to get them to that elite status and to get to that level. Yeah, and this is nothing to take away from those. I mean, that was that was a run, man. That was fun. Um, I mean, every year is fun, but that, that was just special. But you know, it's not it's not no secret um, ingredient that you're putting into your instant pot to make your your lunch any better. It's it's doing the little things well every time. Um, even when nobody's watching, which is another one, Coach Rowling's pickups, but you know, to go back up a base, but you know, and then then having some luck. You know, um, you know, I want to say 2013, which was a great year for us. And, you know, we got to be one to nothing by six months in, um, in a tournament. You know, I was a very talented team. You know, in 2015, we suicide squeezed off of Sycamore to go to the state tournament. You know, we suicide squeezed once all year, Coach Manaman, um, once all year. And that was that time. We practiced it, um, but did the little things well. You know, and then in 2016, 2017, we won a two to one ball game to get the state and a one nothing ball game to get the state. You know, in 2018, we lost one nothing to the eventual state champ, Davenport Assumption. And last year, we lost 3-2 to two to DeWitt, who made it to the um, – in a sub-state final, who made it to the, to the state championship game. So I don't think it's any real secret to you. You have to be playing well. You have to understand um, that doing, doing your job all the time. Um, because as soon as you don't, that's when you're going to get caught. Um, you know, and then just having some luck, you know, you got to have, have some luck go your way, whether that's a call, whether that's, you know, a ball that was fair by an inch or, you know, it just, I don't think there's anything different that those three teams did over those years, other than, you know, they continue to focus on the little things, which I think we do well now. And then, you know, have some luck go your way. I mean, we suicide squeeze, like I said, off Sigma and thank goodness he threw a fastball for a strike instead of a curveball in the dirt. I mean, it's just one of those things. So 2020 players, you heard that, do the small things right. And that's catchers, 
backing up throws across the infield with nobody on base, middle infielders that's backing up the throw from the catcher with a runner on third base, right fielder. This drives me nuts when you do not back up first base and there's an Aaron throw. Stop picking dandelions, right fielders. Get over and back up that throw there. And you're exactly right. Uh, The ball might bounce a different way that year. And also, too, when you look at some of those great runs that teams have, they always had one or two guys that stepped up that had monster years that maybe the coaching staff or people weren't expecting going into that year that helps out. So take us around the horn of your 2020 team. Uh, Break us down position by position. Take us into the outfielder, into the outfield as well. And also let us know if there's going to be uh, any position battles that will be taking place. Um, Well, obviously, you know, it's what, where are we at? You know, first week in April here. And unfortunately, we haven't seen the guys in a little bit. So obviously all this is, is as of today based off of last year off-season workouts where we saw guys because you know during this during this time as much as i know we weren't going to talk about this but during this time you know you're gonna be able to tell who what guys got creative to do things on their own and what guys you know are sitting on the couch playing too many video games right now um but um with that here here's here's kind of what we're thinking this year again at this point of time here but obviously things can change you know as we roll here the next few weeks but uh where do you want to start at man you pick I'll let you pick. Let's just go around the horn. Let's start at catcher, go to first base, second, short, and third. We're Sounds gonna, good, man. We're going to do them all. All right, all right. Uh, so catchers, we, we, we're, we're pretty much true believers on, on catch, catching two kids. If we're going to play a double header, we want to do everything in our power to have uh, one guy catch both games. Or Sorry, sorry. <laughs> have a guy, new guy catch each game in a perfect world. That's, that's a, a senior and a junior or a junior and a sophomore. Just to always have one returner each year versus having a kid sit behind a dish you know, when it's 100 degrees outside for five hours. But with that, uh, Will Hoffman's a senior for us. He, um, you know, he was a junior last year. He was one of our two catchers last year. And then uh, we expect Sam Bessler, who's a junior, coming up from the sophomore team to be our second catcher. Sam actually came up and spot started. Um, Will was sick. Like we talked about, we want two catchers. So I can remember going down to Iowa City West last year. And um, about two hours before the bus trip, find out that uh, Will was sick, throwing up, couldn't come. So, hey, Sam. You know, um, let's get on the bus. And he comes down and he catches game two of the doubleheader, doesn't know a thing, doesn't know our signs, doesn't know a darn thing. And, uh, you know, that that got that nervousness out of the way, so he'll be ready to go hopefully for us this year. Over at first base, um, you know, at some of these positions, it's going to be probably like your freshman practices back in the day where you're going to have a laundry list of kids, you know, um, trying to put their um, time in there. But over at first base, I, um, sophomore Garrett Cadolf, um, Garrett was up with us last year. Um, as a freshman, was our backup first baseman. You know, got some swings, um, pinch hit DH for us. But uh, Garrett, he, he he works his tail off. Um, he's got to be one of, if not our hardest worker we have in our program. And we had a couple, but he he works his tail off. Um, so he'll be possible over first base. You know, we have some flexibility. Some other guys, you know, Charlie Yeager was another pitcher for us. You know, he played a little bit of first base, and then uh, you know, Aaron Savory played just a little bit over there. You know, it just depends on pitching and. Um, you know, who's hitting and things like that. And the one, the one kind of kid we don't really know a lot about because, you know, we, we play at the same time as our sophomores, you know, so we don't see our sophomore team play a lot. Um, but one is a, a junior, Luke Hine, um, who um, in workouts and stuff like that, you know, he, had, he has some ability, so we'll see how he's in the mix there. Over at second base, uh, Jake Brocious um, started pretty much 
most of the games there last year as a sophomore for us. So he's a junior. He's a converted outfielder. You know, we moved him into the infield last year because we thought that was um, um, the best place for him to make us the best team last year. So that was a work in progress because talking about the little things, I mean, second base, there's a lot of things for you to do. So we're excited for Jake, um, you know, to have a year under the belt there. But um, another junior, Derek Tauber, who came up late last year for us, he's going to push um, Jake for maybe some time at second base. Um, over at shortstop, Matty Schmitz, who's a senior for us, um, it'll be his third year. Up on varsity, he was our starting shortstop last year, 95% of the games. Um, Gary Tauber, who I talked about over at second base, will be our backup there and, you know, compete with Maddie for um, for some starts at shortstop as well. And obviously Derek will be there when Maddie's pitching. Third base, holy cow. Um, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of guys. Um, you know, a lot of guys that have been there. I mean, last year, I mean, I guess we thought we didn't lose much from last year, but Jared Walter – Charlie Yeager, Aaron Savory pretty much rotated through third base for us last year, and we expect the same thing this year again. And, you know, those three guys are our top arms, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. So we might have some flexibility that if, you know, Jared and Charlie pitch on a Monday, Monday, you know, and then Aaron's playing third base on Tuesday, Wednesday to let Jared and Charlie recover their arms, maybe bump on the first outfield DH, who knows. But, um, you know, Derek Tauber, who I've talked about a couple other times, he's, you know, a possibility at third base. And then, um, like an, like I talked about earlier, just not seeing a lot of um, sophomores last year. Landon Stoll is a possibility. He's a real athletic kid that we moved to the outfield last year as a sophomore, knowing, you know, looking down the road, but he's somebody that could play some infield for us. Former student of mine as well. Landon is? Yeah, he was a Jefferson Hillhawk for a short time when I taught there. I learn useless information every day. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, I, I, you know, the funny thing about, not funny thing about Landon, but, uh, He's a big hockey guy. They have him mm. and his family. They have a Fighting Saints guy stay at their house pretty much every year. Oh, um, very you know, cool. So there's another yeah. you know fun fact for you. Um, in the outfield, we have pretty much. I mean, we have a returning outfield back, Jared Weber, um, out in center field. Um, he's another three-year starter for us. Um, we expect him to be out in center most of the time, except when he's pitching. And then in a, in the corner outfielders, um, we got you know Bennett Cutsforth, who's another three-year starter for us. And then um, saw, uh, and Bennett's Bennett's a um, going to going to D Mac next year, and then uh, Tommy Speck, who was a freshman for us last year, he'll be a sophomore this for us this year. We expect him to be in one of the corner spots um, most of the time, and then we like having five outfielders, you know, ready um, to go at all times. Um, you know, we have a couple, you know, the couple guys we're not so sure about, you know, whether they're coming out this year, we really haven't seen them too much, but two guys that we, we, we have seen that could be in that mix. That I talked about as an infielder would be Landon Stoll. And then like Jake Brocious who played a lot of outfield just with, you know, the DH and guys pitching. And, you know, I don't expect many of our guys to be in our lineup all 40 games. You know, there, there will be some barring injuries and, you know, things like that. But, you know, we, I think we have some flexibility this year. Now, one thing I, I've noticed about your program and I've noticed about Western Dubuque, and I just wanted to pick your brain on this a little bit, is you guys a lot of times will have younger guys on your roster. It's not common to come down to the ballpark and to see quite a few freshmen and some sophomores on there. Um, the other programs, not not so much, but what's your philosophy on, on that? With I mean, you had quite a few freshmen playing last year. Um, what was the decision? How did you make the decision to put them on varsity instead of maybe trying them out at the sophomore level? Or what was it about those guys that, 
you were positive that they would have a successful varsity season at, at the younger age? Yeah, yeah. There's no. I mean, this is nothing to take away people that that may differ in you know, all their baseball programs, you know, all or other you know basketball. It's it's just what's what's worked for us. You know, the it probably goes back to my days as assistant coach. That we, I, and again, I'm not going to throw out any names, but. uh you know, some kids that were great juniors for us, and then they all of a sudden didn't come out as seniors, <laughs> you know. So it's it's kind of prepping to potentially, you know, move some kids up if we think they can be successful because they're going to come up and not play and don't have a chance of being successful. You know, that plays a lot on a 14, 15-year-old brain. Heck, that plays a lot on my brain as an old dude here. Um, but, you know, we um, – and I know – I. Uh, just with our off-season workouts, we, we start seeing, you know, when we get our guys live, you know, after we, we do our arm care and all that stuff, once we get on the mound live and see guys hit when, when you know, they can hit them, we stand on the balcony or whatever and watch them because we can't work with them. Don't get me on that rant. Um, but, you know, we can see who some talented kids are, and we're going to give them every opportunity. Um, you know, very you – because know, we have, you know, over the last five years, we've had probably at least – one sophomore up every year, sometimes a couple, you know, I show you had a couple freshmen and that was a learning curve for, for all of us, myself included, because we've never had freshmen up before. Um, but, um, you know, during those three weeks of practice in, in May, you know, having, you know, we did some, we didn't know which one of those, and you're talking about those three freshmen, we didn't know who was coming up last year. None of them were like told in April, Hey, you're going to be on varsity. But when we start practice, you know, we want you guys to practice with the varsity. You know, we've done that over the years and sometimes they stay with us. Sometimes they go play sophomores and just go back and forth. So just, you know, age, age is a number. Um, my amazing wife, Danny's eight years younger than I am, you know, age, Good for you. age, 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 she, she outkicked her coverage. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> she's not, sorry. I think, my, no I think my wife is nine years younger than me. We were in the same yearbook. I was in eighth grade. She was in kindergarten. <laughs> there's no, there's no chance she's listened to your podcast though, man. She um, does not. Um, but, um, you know, giving, giving those kids opportunities and, you know, um, cause yeah, I would love for, you know, to play a bunch of juniors and seniors, you know, there's a, more developed, stronger things like that. But at the end of the day, at the, what I feel at the, at the varsity level, the, the best players are going to play most of the time. I and mean, if you're going to be in our top, you know, 12 to 14, whether you're a you know, senior or a freshman or an eighth grader, you know, we're, we're going we're to give you that opportunity, just like we're going to give that, that senior that didn't play a lot for us as a junior. We're going to give that opportunity that, that we, we feel that opportunity comes more into practice sessions than, potentially really in the game settings that you that a fan sees coming to the game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you more that you definitely do show what you have in, in practice, uh, let, let alone a game. But I, I heard a rumor, and I need you to clear this rumor up for me. Yep. You've so. had some success with the Savory family. They've sent some successful preps through your program. I heard a rumor that um, they're going to be sending seven more kids through your program. Is, is that true? Or, or are we almost done with Savory's here? Um, I, if, if they want to make that happen, I would be all for it. Yeah, we've had, we've had a, we've had a list of Savory's here and we're, we're excited to have Aaron for uh, three more years here. And the one thing I will say about the Savory's successful kids, great baseball players, but wow, even, even better kids. Wow. You couldn't ask for a group of nicer kids that, that they've sent you there. Take us to your pitching staff, coach. You're only losing two seniors. 
you have to replace four and two-thirds innings, and you do not have to replace a single win. Who do you look for to lead the staff? Um, what do they bring to the table? And then tell us a little bit about the back end of your rotation right now. How do you see things shaping out in a perfect world here? Yeah, on the mound, I mean, that, that's where they're going to carry us this year. As you know, we talked about earlier with, you know, over the course of the year, it seems like our pitching is usually, you know, our pitching defense usually carry us and, and these guys are going to carry us this year. They need to, but uh, we expect our top four starters to be the same four as they were last year um, in any order, um, you know, with a, uh, junior Jared Walter, um, senior Charlie Yeager and sophomore Aaron Savory and senior Jared Weber. I mean, those, those guys threw a lot for us last year. Um, but we expect them to be our, our four, our four starters, our once a week starters on the mound. You know, they might close a game on the back end, but we expect them to get there, their, you know, their, their eight, eight starts a year. We're hoping, um, you know, out of the bullpen, um, Maddie Schmitz, we talked about earlier, Matt, Maddie has the stuff to be, in our top four starters, but he's he's so valuable for us in the infield, and we have some other guys. So Maddie last year was our quote unquote closer. Um, you know, if it's the seventh inning and it's a you know we're up by one run, you know we're, we're if we're going to anybody outside of you know letting our starter run, it's going to be Maddie again this year. And then um, the other two returners from last year would be um, sophomores Garrett Cadolf and Tommy Speck who through some force last year, you know, we knew that was a little bit of an issue when we brought them up last year to swing for us, play some defense, um, but still trying to get them some mound work. But, um, you know, we expect them to be. And then uh, then the, uh, the, the the newer guys this year, again, that we've seen a little bit about um, Derek Tauber, Landon Stoll, that we talked about earlier. They came up last year as sophomores and, and threw some for us, you know, some of those uh, non-conference midweek games um, when we didn't want to, you know, have any of these – bullpen guys be forced to start and go a little longer than their prep for we brought them up last year so those are two guys that you know we expect to be out of the bullpen or maybe a midweek starter and then the other two guys that outside of workouts we really haven't seen much would be uh jared krill and uh sam temp that um you know that did some good things last year at the sophomore level that we've seen in in some of our workouts so those are the guys right now here and you know the first week in april if things were starting tomorrow which would be great so we have uh, Coach Tischer here, the Kevin Cash of high school baseball. He's the manager of the um, Tampa Bay Rays with all the analytics here. I, I think before the year's over, we know how much Coach Tischer is shifting. I think we might see some bullpen games from him. He might bring in the closer for an inning or two to, to start off a game and then bring in <laughs> his starters in about the fourth or the fifth inning to lead him into the seventh. But, Coach, I've asked a couple uh of the coaches during these interviews to uh, make me a promise. I'm curious if you could uh, make me a promise here. I, I uh, as an avid baseball fan, there are certain things that I love to do with the game of baseball that normal people think that are extremely odd. I want to get a practice plan when you guys are doing IOs, and I want to come and I want to watch Tommy Speck throw from the outfield. I saw he just broke a showcase record. I believe it was 94 miles an hour outfield velocity. So can you uh, get me some practice plans when we're going to be doing some heavy outfield work and I can come and stand on the bleachers with my binoculars and look like a creeper and get escorted off by the police before the uh, practice <laughs> is over? Hey, you can come up anytime you want. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he did throw 95 from the outfield. Um, but yeah, yeah, just good. Tommy's got the tools. Um, for sure. I know he's currently a, you know, University of Illinois commit. He's, he's got, he's got the tools, but Tommy would be the first one to tell you he's got, 
he's got a lot to learn about the game um, in the next three years with us before he goes to Illinois, just in regards to those little things. So yeah, he's, uh, he can, he can throw uh, again. I can only imagine how you were back in those late nineties, man, playing first base and throwing the ball to the shortstop around the horn. I'm sure, you know, Tommy's trying to represent you well. From hey, that field. Thanks for doing that, Tommy. I appreciate it. And, you know, I can tell you coach is a testament to you and your staff. He's got some great coaches there in the program to, to learn the game from. Now, Coach, one thing that a lot of the other media outlets uh, don't often do that, that I wanted this to be a whole episode dedicated toward your program, but take us down on the farm, your farm system, your eighth graders, your freshmen, your sophomore team. Who are some young players that are in your program that we may not see on varsity this year, but you think have a very bright future for the Eagles? Yeah, our, our sophomore class at Waller just across the whole small in numbers athletically that I want to say we only have, I didn't look this up, 12. And you know, we were bringing the three up, so there's only nine nine sophomores remaining. Of those nine, you know, the, the two that come to mind would be uh, Ben Freed and Carson Kummer. Um, you know, good guys, very athletic guys that play other sports as well. And, and Ben being a left-handed pitcher, which we don't have a lot in the program. Our freshman class is big um so we have 20 2021 20, right now and they're 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 a they're a good class just you know across sports at waller a couple of those um, i'm gonna i'm sorry name dropping people's you can find their hashtags and start you know getting up your stuff here but uh you know zach callahan you know bryce rudiger jack walsh seamus crahan uh ryan and ben brocious twin brothers jake's younger brothers uh patrick fitzgerald um matthew knockman nicholas piero tommy Cucci. Jake Evans, you know, that's a, that's a, that's an, that's Isaac's and Andrew's younger brother. Mm -hmm. Um, those are some freshmen eighth graders. And and this is terrible of me, but as seventh graders, I saw them do some things, but we, we adjusted our off season workouts this year to not have eighth grade come to pitching and catching sessions as early as we normally do. Just knowing we had numbers at the other levels and just our space. Um, Unfortunately, they were going to be starting the week after spring break, which is when all the, all the, the, you know, the yeah. pandemic hit to that. So they, they have not started got canceled. Yeah. Exactly. So we have not seen our eighth grader, our eighth graders very much. So again, that'll be an adjustment curve for all of us here when we get going here um, in May, hopefully. Coach Tischer, before we move on to our around the horn section, which is five random baseball questions to get to know you on a little bit different level, is there anything you would like to tell us about the 2020 upcoming season before we end this segment? No, just, um, you know, where I think we're fortunate in, in Dubuque to have a lot of avenues to go watch baseball. I mean, hopefully you want to come down to Patrakis and hear Marv and, and watch us play. But if for whatever reason you don't want to, you know, take, take your son, daughter, or whoever, get out and, you know, watch this great game, you know, enjoy, you know, hamburger and a glass of water and things like that. And just enjoy the game and watching, you know, whether it's semi-pro or any of the local high schools or just, um, there's, you know, baseball here, again, not being from here, baseball special here, but, you know, um, gets to a point that I think, you know, I think some people just don't get out as much as I think they could, you know, there's other, there's, you know, whether it's, you know, social media or games on TV or just various media outlets that cover things that I can, you know, click on a podcast or a radio station and find things, so which is awesome, but, uh, you know, get out the games. And if you do, you know, stop by, say hi to yourself, introduce yourself if we're not fortunate enough to know you yet. 
Yeah, and Coach Redman and I already spoke. We are going to make it a point to come down to a couple games this season, hopefully more than a couple, and we're going to be hanging out for everybody to leave so we can have uh, some great follow-up conversations with you as well, Coach Tischer. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's the Around the Horn section of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Five random questions that the guest were not prepped for. The Around the Horn section is five random baseball questions to our guests that they were not prepped for. Coach Tischer over Zoom just took a big swig of water. He's sweating a little bit. He is nervous about this segment. I will be easy on you, Coach. First question. Let's go. Favorite team, favorite player? Uh, Easy. Um, From Wisconsin, Milwaukee Brewers. uh, Favorite player currently or ever? Let's do both. Um, Paul Molitor. And, uh, dude, how can you not like Christian Yelich right now? All right. Very, yeah, very good player. My fantasy baseball season folded a couple of years ago when I had him on my keeper team. I'm still upset about it. <laughs> Second question, favorite baseball movie of all time? Uh, I am not a movie guy. Um, my, my wife would tell you that's why I'm sports and chick flicks only, but number one movie of all time, not even close, uh, Major League. All right, you agreed with Coach Reese on that as well. He also said Major League. In good, your good op- thing I, I taught him well. In, in your opinion, what do you think is the most exciting play in baseball? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, a, a walk-off, whatever that looks like. Walk off um, any type of walk off grand slam. Walk off grand slam, baby. Uh, two outs. All right. Down three. Very, very Let's cool. Go. What do you think is the most annoying aspect of the game of baseball? What is one aspect of the game that just absolutely drives you nuts? People um, not hustling, knowing what their job is on every play. And what is your favorite Wallert Catholic High School baseball memory of all time? I had a feeling you were going here. Uh, I'm going two, man. Sorry, I'm not kidding the back row again. Um, but 2015, um, suicide squeezing off TJ Sycama that we talked about earlier to go to the state tournament for the first time um, in whatever years it was, 16 years. And then uh, the second would have been 2017 when we beat Marion down state tournament, um, down um, with a walk-off by uh, Joey Callahan, um, single down the line to score Jack Wilgenbush from third. Um, definitely those two. That was an awesome game. I, I remember watching that game in Mediacom on my basement. Coach Tischer, you just got cued to the music in the background. We're hearing Metallica's Enter Sandman, meaning that the show is about ready to come to an end as we get ready for our closing time segment. We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background, the podcast is coming to an end, just like the game did when he entered. Stick around for closing time. When we hear that song, we know that the show is ready to come to an end. And it's become a tradition here at the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast that all guests get a minute or so to 
talk about anything that they would like, and I am going to give it a cheesy baseball name tied in with their last name. So Coach Corey Tischer, we're going to tee off with Coach Tischer. I appreciate it, Nick. So um, so I thought a lot about what I want to talk about here because this this format is new to me, and I know you got your uh, hundreds of thousands of people that are going to listen to this, but uh, I just want to keep talking about some of my opinions on a few different things here that um, that not everybody might, might agree, that not everybody will agree with, and, and that's okay. So I'm going to step outside of the box on this one here, and um, lucky for you, um, my favorite number is seven. So here are my seven things that drive me crazy about about um, the game of baseball. Not necessarily in Dubuque, but around the whole, just in, in the country. But I will only talk about one of them. All right. So if you want me to come in and get to save like Rivera on any of the other podcasts to yap about these other ones, you let me know or anybody wants to reach out to me, go ahead. But uh, in no order, here they are. Um, number seven, uh, the outdoor baseball facilities in Dubuque that I know Red talked about. Um, number six, the lost art of catch play, playing catch and not using catch as a warm up. The number five, um, city championships. What are they? Um, number four, the Iowa Department of Education, the Iowa High School Athletic Association. Why is it so hard for to get coaches authorized? Um, number three, the craziness that is youth sports right now. Number two, the coach and ump shortage. And the one I'm going to talk about here for a minute or two here is uh, social media, social media and technology. Um, so obviously social media and technology, both within the game of baseball and in life. And by the way, let me get out, out of the way. This is no way directed towards my Waller players or parents. And most of them know my feelings on this because we talk about this every year in my preseason parent meeting. But um, bashing others, um, if you own your own account or burner account and any of these social media platforms to bash high school, college, or even professional players, coaches, programs, or just people in general, you really got to look yourself in the mirror. Uh, you never know how these things could affect other people and what is going on inside their head. There are big things in life like the pandemic that we're all going through um, and people losing money. The athletic season people have lost the education. You know, our young men and women are losing. And most importantly, some lives that people are losing. Someone disagreeing with you, a coach not playing you as much as you would like, making you lose a fantasy game. You know, whatever is not a big deal in the grand scheme of life. So don't be going at those people on social media. Baseball wise, we got grown adults right now on you know, Twitter, you know, I follow all these baseball guys. We got former players, you know, just bashing other people, name calling them like they're second grade boys at recess, disagreeing on, you know, if that was in or out on four square. I mean, we, we, we can be better just as men and women, you know, positively promote yourself, your program, your family. That doesn't mean you can't disagree with other people. I disagree with you a lot, Coach Manaman. I might even hit you up sometime on social media and tell you I don't agree with you, but you can do it in a respectful and funny way versus attacking or bashing other people. Um, youth coaches, travel coaches, high school coaches, and frankly, anyone who truly loves the game of baseball, you do not know everything about the game of baseball. You don't. Um, this is, you know, if Coach Rowling can continue to learn, you can continue to learn. Like business, education, it's constantly developing. And if you truly want to stay engaged and learn, you know, take the time to read books, stay up to date on new developments, attend clinics, listen to podcasts that teach about the game of baseball. You know, even this podcast, you know, this you've done you know good things here. It's developed a lot here in the last month. You know, Stickball TV is one on on, uh, on Twitter. Look them up. You know, get on some Zooms. Um, the ABCA. You know, it's a sisterhood, brotherhood. People want to get better if you take the time to get better. Um, 
Now, I have two other quick things with social media, all right? Um, fear of missing out. Um, FOMO, F-O-M-O. Get off your phones. Get off your phones when you're driving. Get off the phone when you're watching the game, you know, playing in the game, all right? Don't be sitting in the corner of the dugout on your phone trying to see what's going on. You're worried about, you know, checking your fantasy, you know, hanging with your friends, your kids. Get off your phones. Um, phones are becoming too big of our everyday lives, um, but don't make it. Phones are a big part of our everyday life, but don't make them your life. I know I fall into this trap too, um, but we all can do better. And lastly, my number one social media pet peeve, which I know people not agree with me, high school athletes, can we please stop announcing every time we get an offer in college, to play a sport in college? Like why? What purpose does it serve other than generating likes and quite possibly making college coaches question you and whether or not they want you in your program? You know, um, I'm not a Bears fan, but Coach Hoyer at Cedar Rapids Kennedy had a video not too long ago about a Walter Payton quote. When you're good at something, you tell everyone. When you're great at something, they'll tell you. That doesn't mean when you make a commitment, yeah, we want to know where you're going. You get down to your final three, yeah, we want to see that, but we don't need to know every time a team has made an offer. We can we we can be better. Again, I'm proud to probably just me, but let's do it. With that, Coach Manaman, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for having us on. Hopefully, we get some baseball this summer. We see you there, man, and uh, go Eags. Coach Tisher, that was that was phenomenal, and I just decided we're going to start off start up a spinoff show, and we're going to give you your own show here on the Dubuque Area <laughs> Baseball Podcast Network. There is so much that I want to comment on. There's so much that I want to agree with. There's so much more I want to know about that. So it was great to tee off with Tisher there. And my minute with Manaman is just going to be complimentary. I uh, just want to thank all of the coaches, Coach Rapp, Coach Casey Bryant, Coach Andrew Reese, and lastly, Coach Tisher, for allowing me to sit down with you and have these hour-long interviews and these hour-long conversations. We got to learn a lot about the program. We got to learn a lot about them. And even though there are four interviews that were pretty much the same basic outline, all four interviews were amazing. And we have four great program leaders here in our area and even outside of the area, some of those schools I haven't talked about yet. I want to wish... Wallert Catholic High School, their coaches, their fans, their players, and their families, the best of luck on this 2020 season. And I hope that when you do go to a game, you enjoy the game and respect the coaches and the decisions that they make and respect the umpires and the calls that they make because we've been wrapped up in our house for a long time. And when we get out, we need to reflect and we need to remember how great this life and the experiences and baseball is. So Coach Manaman signing out here. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Coach Tisher and best of luck to everybody on this upcoming season. And just like that, 643. We're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook, and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. 
Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.